All right, we are back. Welcome to Crime Pursuit Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Bounds, along with Kate. You know, Kate, the one that's from Crime Guy. Yes, she is with me, helping me co-host with this thing. Kate, uh, give us a rundown about our, regarding our new pursuit. Yes, we are. So today we're discussing the suspicious death of Joseph Smedley, a former sophomore at Indiana State University. He went missing actually on September 28th of 2015, and his body was found October 2nd in Griffey Lake nearby. Um, a, a fisherman actually was uh, the one that found his body, and after investigating, it was ruled a suicide. However, everything surrounding the scene of death was sort of just suggesting otherwise. All right. Well, great job, Kate. Um, we have a very special guest with us tonight. And, you know, uh, we have been looking at this case for several, several weeks. We have with us tonight Vivian. Vivian, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Okay. Well, um, unfortunately... Uh, you have some bad news, and give us a little rundown about this this case. You, you tell us tell us a little bit. Start with the good stuff. Uh, yeah. So my brother, um, he was an IU student. Uh, he majored in biochemistry with hopes of becoming a um, pharmacist. So uh, he was extremely smart. Um, just super likable by all of his uh, peers and um, just really a lively person. Um, he had a ton of friends, um, but he was recently found back in 2015 uh, in Griffey Lake. So uh, he was recently found in uh, Griffey Lake. Um, he had 66 pounds of rocks strapped to his chest um, and binoculars around his neck. And then there was also a blood moon that night, um, which I believe is why he had the binoculars around his neck. Um, but the last people who saw him um, were his fraternity brothers, who were part of Sigma Pi. Um, and they say that he went to bed around 1130 that night, and uh, they never saw him again. Um, but then they also mentioned that they went out to see the blood moon. So the timeline doesn't add up. Um, also, Joseph sent a text message, or, or the text message was sent from Joseph's phone um, that said that he was leaving the country, um, and then that was sent to me uh, around 4.15 a.m., um, and so I received that text message, and uh, that's when I had filed him missing immediately. So you got this text message. Did you did you text it back? Uh, yeah, I did. So... Um, Early on in the actual, uh, the week before, I had been talking to Joseph um, almost every day because I co-signed for him on an apartment, and uh, he decided to leave that apartment and go move in with his fraternity brothers, two of his fraternity brothers, um, at a house that was um, slightly off campus. Um, so I had been following up with him every single day because... They basically had told me that I was going to be responsible for what he owed. And um, so he had said that he had, you know, checked that he was picking up from work um, and that he was good. The deadline was for uh, that Monday at noon. So when I received that text message, I'd actually just spoken to him the night before that Sunday night around like seven. Um, he said he was doing homework and he said he would have to check. It was on his desk 
and um, he was going to go turn it in the next day. So um, when I received that text message, I was really surprised um, because we had just had a conversation and he's not really the kind of person that just makes up an excuse and runs from his problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought he might be joking at first. So I responded with saying, you know, just shut up, <laughs> uh, basically. And then uh, once I didn't hear from him and it was around like uh, noon, I think, um, I reached out to the apartments to see if he dropped off the check. And when I um, heard that he hadn't, um, by the deadline, then I reached out to Bloomington, or I'm sorry, IU Police Department, and that's when um, I I told them that I had received that text message and I needed them to do a, a wellness check. And they went into uh, his classes, and you know they went to see to see if he was at home, and they couldn't find him. By the end of the day, um, he was found as a missing person. Okay, so now that he's missing. Uh, at this time, you haven't suspected any type of foul play, right? Correct, yes. Okay, so what happened next? So um, I was working really close to IUPD. Um, basically, they were just keeping me in the loop that following day, which was that Tuesday. Um, they started you know, uh, going around and asking questions to see if they could find him, and I started posting about him being missing and things like that, and then it kind of blew up from there locally. I had a lot of local media that... Um, wanted to do a story about him missing. Um, and then that Wednesday, I ended up going up to the campus for the first time to Canvas to see if I could, um, you know, figure something out. I uh, spoke with his roommates. I spoke with the fraternity, uh, the fraternity president, um, and just kind of asked around campus and um, spoke with IUPD and all of that. Um, and then we returned back that uh, Friday. And then while we were up there, um, we kind of did the same thing, had a couple of interviews. I had a group of people that were working with me. Um, it was a, an Indianapolis police department detective and an Indianapolis prosecutor who had came up there while I was canvassing. They're just close friends of mine um, that, you know, wanted to offer their assistance throughout the process. So um, they... Uh, were all kind of with me, and we were eating um, dinner kind of right off of 7th and Walnut, and um, we saw about 15 cop cars go by. Um, and that's when we noticed that, um, you know, we started to think that something might be suspic- suspicious going on. Um, and so we kind of just kept refreshing the uh, news, and I called uh, Detective Schmuel, who was the main detective on the case at the time that um, I was speaking with, And, uh, you know, they wouldn't really give me any information about what was going on. Um, And then uh, right before we were going to leave, they called me into the precinct. That's when they told me that they had found Joseph. So now that they have found him, did they say that it was an accident or, you know, what, what was their, what did they come up with that they said happened to him? So initially they said it was going to be ruled a death investigation. They were going to investigate. Um, but they really didn't do much investigating. Um, I heard from the very beginning they treated him like a suicide. Um, they pulled his body out of the water and um, didn't really have a forensic team do much. Uh, they threw his clothes in the body bag instead of looking it into evidence. Um, so it was really just careless the way that they handled him from the beginning. So when I was there, 
Um, they didn't really say much. In fact, they didn't even tell me that he had rocks in his backpack at that time. He's, they told it told me that they only had, or that he only had um, a hard drive and a charger to a laptop. Oh, wow. Papers. Okay, so what made them believe at first that this was a suicide, did they say? No, and they still haven't said to this day. Um, which is why I've done so much work trying to um, investigate on my own. Um, so I actually hired a forensic pathologist um, about a month and a half after Joseph had passed. We were waiting on the autopsy report to come back. So he stayed in refrigeration until um, that was completed. And uh, the um, autopsy report came back. There was just things that weren't listed on there. Like they didn't in, um, examine his back. Um, it didn't look like they had went through his, uh, like, uh, scraped his fingernails and things like that. So my um, forensic pathologist that I hired, Dr. Thomas Sozio, um, he went through and examined him and took samples and um, things like that as well. And when the autopsy came back, just to be clear, they it, it had a, ruled his death a drowning, correct? That was the cause of death? Yes. But um, I seem to remember that the area that he was found in, it was it, Joseph could swim really well. Am, am I correct on that? Yeah, we grew up, we loved swimming. Like, that was one of our most favorite things to do. Our parents would book a hotel on the weekends just to so we could go swimming at the pool. Like, we were very good swimmers. Right, yeah, you had told me that. And uh, another thing that I find kind of weird about that is, well, his cause of death was drowning, uh, according to the autopsy. It was in pretty shallow water that he was found, correct? Correct, yes. About, um, I just went out there recently and measured. Um, it's around, like, five feet at the deepest part under the bridge. Right. That's that's not very deep, is it? No. And also... Um, when you were, we, let's go back just for a second, if, if you will. Um, you had said you had received a text message from him, correct, uh, mm -hmm. the, on the 28th. And it was saying that he was leaving the country. And, you know, don't, it, it, I think you told me it said, don't contact him. He'll contact you. Mm -hmm. And I kind of wanted to, to go back for a minute and just say that um, I think you had told me that when, the police were doing the search before they had found him, had found his body. They went to the frat house that he lived in. And wasn't there a note on his bed that said pretty much like identically what he had texted you as well? Yes. Um, so they had on that Tuesday, um, they had gone to the house to see if he was there. And at that time, um, the roommates produced a note that said, um, the same thing that the text message had said, and he saw it was signed with um, his last name Smedley, which is really weird. And it was also dated nine twenty eight as well. So it was just really weird because of the way that it was written. It almost looked very uh, like fast. It mm -hmm. also looked left handed, which one of his roommates was left handed. But it looked very. Uh, it looked written very hastily, but at the same time, he had time to like write Smedley and the date. And he doesn't even go by Smedley. The only people that call him Smedley are his fraternity brothers. Right. I was going to say that he didn't usually sign his name that way. So that it's just that's just really interesting to me that the note and the text being almost identical and seemingly written at the same time. It's, it's mm -hmm. just that's very strange to me. Yeah. So where we were, let's see, he was found in three feet of water. I know that you said and 
there was something that said um, somebody that had, that had seen his body witnessed that the, he had bruises on him, correct? And his bottom lip was actually busted? Yes. Um, so one of the main witnesses um, was with her mother. They both have verified that they understand the difference between, you know, post-mortem, um, like, uh, bruising and things like that, but they said that there was a stark difference between, um, you know, what was naturally caused by his body decomposing and actual bruising. And then they also said that he had a busted lip as well. Okay. It's so strange with all of this being evident, and then yet the police are saying that the rocks in the backpack and the note that he had left were indicators of suicide. Right. Yeah, that's what I don't it understand. Yeah, it doesn't make yeah. sense here. And that's what I'm sitting here trying to, you know, looking at my notes and I'm like, okay, where where the suicide part come in? And and that's what I'm just so confused on. And, and, and Kate, I mean, I know you know this case very well. And I'm just trying to, you know, trying to figure this out here, you know? Yeah, like I just, I, it's, it doesn't make sense at all. Um, and the main reason that, you know, I don't believe that is one, you know, just by the evidence alone, he was making plans the day before, the day of, um, you know, asking girls to come and hang out with him that night at a frat party. He was also asking um, girls for to come to another frat party that's happening that following Thursday. And you're just not making plans, you know, if you're thinking about committing suicide. Not only that, he uh, his car didn't work. And I knew that because I gave him the car and he wasn't keeping up on his oil changes. Um, so in order for him to get to Griffey Lake without a car, it would have been a 45-minute walk at 4 a.m., and then he would have had to walk down a mile-long road that has no lights whatsoever in the middle of the woods, find rocks in the pitch black, there's no lighting around the lake, and then, you know, put him in his backpack and then jump in the water. You know what, Kate? That's a good point. So, Kate, that is pretty interesting that she brings bring that up so now it's we very can, interesting yeah so now what do can we say this is a suicide or or what i i mean everything that that vivian has told me it it to me it, it absolutely does not look like a suicide to me if, if anything it looks like it was a, a cover-up of some sorts there's just too many sort of moving parts that don't seem to make sense that night and and a lot of things that aren't matching up and times that aren't matching up yeah and um just something else to 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 think about for a second vivian you had told me that the the frat house that joseph lived in was actually under probation at the time they they weren't allowed to have parties am i correct yep correct and um, something else that you had told me that was very interesting was, uh, as well, during the investigation, when, when the police went to go sort of interview the, his fraternity brothers, they had said that there was no party and that they mm -hmm. were on probation. So they even denied the party happening that night altogether, correct? Yes. See, that's, that, that's a big red flag to me. To well, me well here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. They're not going to admit, if they was on probation for that, they're not going to admit that they had a party because they, not, like they wasn't supposed to be having one. Well, right, but there's much bigger problems at hand, I would feel like, than just, yes, you know, yes. having a party on probation. You know what I mean? I agree with you. So that that's extremely strange to me. I, yeah. I, I totally agree. So let me ask you, Vivian, that you, you said you've been investigating this case yourself. Have mm -hmm. you uncovered any evidence that 
lead you to believe otherwise? Um, yeah, so my forensic pathologist found hemorrhaging on his back. Um, I also was able to get into their fraternities group me, and um, there's a lot of things going on in the fraternity. Uh, like, I know that they were, um, you know, talking about drugs and just a lot of things that um, I just feel like Joseph shouldn't be even involved in or associated with. Um, and, uh, yeah, they just, there's also text messages, um, you know, that prove that he, you know, wasn't, and he wasn't in the mindset of, you know, wanting to kill himself all the way up to about 11 o'clock where he's talking to a girl, you know, about inviting him to the party, uh, inviting her to the party and things like that as well. Okay. So let me ask you, did he have any enemies? Was he into it with anybody at that time that you, that you know of? Not that I know of. I mean, Joseph was a very likable person. Uh, you know, he got along with everybody. And I don't. I know that Joseph, he's extremely headstrong. Um, he's resilient. And I know that he also defends people from time to time. So, I mean, maybe it might have been a situation where someone was picking on a little guy and he was defending them. I don't know. But that's really the only kind of enemy i could see him making um because he just was like just so popular yeah nothing like premeditated at all like if anything you would think maybe it was like something that was a heat of the moment argument that perhaps got out of hand or something like that um right that sounds more like a possibility to me than anything that was premeditated or mm -hmm. a suicide at all just perhaps a situation that got out of hand and then wasn't known how to handle it and got covered up it's it's just so strange like just everything involving this case i agree and that's what really frustrates me is that like you know if you don't want to do the work the police department bloomington police department doesn't want to do the work to investigate okay a family is willing to put in time and resources to do that um there's other ways that you can determine the cause of death you know, there's undecided, there's undetermined, there's accidental, there's all these other ways. And suicide is the one that you want to put. And so it's just like, to me, that's the biggest thing. I just, it's a slap in the face to my brother because, you know, he yes. was so strong. And he all he wanted was to, you know, be successful. And, you know, he was driven. And so for someone to have, for that to be by his name on a death certificate, I just feel like, it really, um, it just rubs me the wrong way. Right. And I, I've, I've heard a lot of investigators say, actually, um, it's easier and sort of more foolproof to solve cases like this. And in general, is if you start with the mind frame that it's a homicide and then work backwards. Right. So, and that is absolutely not what was done here. It almost seems like, well, this is a little bit too much for me and too strange. So why not call it just a suicide? Whatever. Mm -hmm. So that's that's extremely frustrating. Well, you know, right here's my thing. So, what did the police say about the rocks? Um, they didn't really say much because when I asked what was in the backpack, they didn't tell me that. It wasn't until we received the autopsy report back that we found out about the rocks. Why they didn't tell uh, you about the rocks? I'm not sure. Uh, from what my IMPD detective friend told me, they might have just been keeping that from me because at the time they were still trying to investigate, but. If they are keeping that from me at that time due to it being suspicious, then how does that turn out to be a suicide? Yeah, I agree. Okay, let me ask you this. So did you think about hiring like a private investigator or, 
you know, someone that yeah. can, you know, go and dig into this further? Yeah, so um, initially my, I had been talking, speaking in conversation with a private investigator since the very beginning, um, and he's the one that had suggested I get a second autopsy done. So in order for me to complete that autopsy, which is technically still incomplete, um, the forensic pathologist has requested documents from Bloomington Police Department in order to, you know, um, draw his conclusions. Um, and all he needs is, you know, photography, notes, witness statements, things like that. And they're refusing to work with him in order to, you know, have him complete the report, which is actually quite unusual because in Indianapolis, according to my detective friend, uh, whenever there is a discrepancy between what the coroner produces in the report and what, you know, the family's um, private autopsy says, they're supposed to sit down with the coroner, the private uh, private forensic pathologist, and um, the police department, and then, you know, kind of come up with a new, kind of a new report based on their findings if they're different. So... That, that basically what I needed or what I'm needing to do now is subpoena the documents from Bloomington Police Department through an attorney. And once I secure those documents, I'll be able to complete the report and then have, um, you know, my private investigator look into, you know, everything. But I actually just recently raised the funds for a PI. Um, so I'm really excited about that. That's um, great. One yeah, of the biggest. May, yeah. may I ask how you was able to raise the funds? Uh, through GoFundMe, and I have a uh, kind of a big following through our Justice for Joseph campaign. Uh, we've got oh wow, um, yeah, we have a Facebook following about thirty four hundred people, and then I just recently created a um, Instagram for Justice for Joseph as well. So I've just been keeping everyone updated and sending out, um, you know, news stories and things like that to keep people involved and in turn they're sharing. And, um, we, I actually just also, uh, had a petition that just reached a hundred thousand signatures. So, um, I'm hoping that basically the goal is, um, I've hired my PI and I have, um, located an attorney that I'd like to use as well. Um, so I should have both of those secured by next week, but I want to subpoena the documents um, and then use that information to uh, complete the autopsy, give to the PI, and then hopefully we'll gather enough information through all of that to reopen the case. And then the petition will just be, you know, something that will carry weight for that. Yes, that is amazing that the people that helped you. Wow, kudos to them. That is that yeah. is awesome. That is. Yeah, I'm really, really shocked. It all kind of just blew up just recently with the George Floyd and everything going on. So I really appreciate just every single person that has taken the time to yes, share. Yes, yes, yes. Because we wouldn't have been able to do that without them. Well, you, when it you sounds go, like everything's falling into place. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So when you go back to that group, you tell that group that Ed and Kate from Crime Pursuit said thank you. That okay, is amazing. Totally <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Great. Well, Vivian, th- what you did tonight was very brave, and we really appreciate you coming on the show. You know, and I know your brother would be proud that you. you are out fighting, trying to get the real answers of what happened to him. And 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 I just, you, you know, I appreciate you being strong for him. I really do. We deal with a lot of people who some have given up 
and some still keep fighting just as you were doing. Now, what I'd like for you to do, I've heard so many good stories about this group you have. Tell our listeners about this group and how they can come and go to this Facebook and this Instagram and find out what's going on with your brother. Sure. So um, all you have to do is go on Facebook and search for Justice for Joseph. Um, and he should pop right up and click follow. You can do your own research. Um, there's a ton of information about the case. Um, there's shares from you know media, podcasts, everything. Um, you can kind of just dig in and do your own research. It's all there. Um, and then also I have an Instagram, which is another way that you can keep up with what's going on. Um, you can follow that at justice, the number four, Joseph. All right. That is, that's awesome. Okay. Well, like I said, we appreciate you taking out the time and please stay on the line. Okay, guys, we have ran out of time. Now, we want you to do something. We want you to come to our Facebook, Crime Pursuit Podcast on Facebook. Kate and myself and other team members will interact with you. That's just what we do. We don't pay other people to do it. We do it ourselves because we care. Also, we have an Instagram at Crime Pursuit. We have a Twitter at Crime Pursuit. We will mingle with you wherever and we will interact. We love to. So, you know, come like the page, send us a message, send us a case suggestion, anything. We will talk with you. All right. Thank you for listening. Have a good night. Thanks, guys.